And so Christ is the one we need. He is king of a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness. And in the first century, Christians were led to live new lives of obedience to the king of righteousness. Charles Bridges commenting on this text, Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalted the nation. He said, to Christianize is to regenerate the community, to elevate it to a core dignified position to exalt the nation. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I trust that today the Lord will draw near and bless you through His Word. We're looking at righteousness exalteth a nation. We have a burden for this land of Canada. Morality is sliding. Truth and righteousness are falling in the streets, as the Bible predicts. And we have great need for revival in our land, a revival that turns men and women back to the fear of God, where the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, of righteousness, and judgment to come. And we'll be looking at that in the book of Proverbs today, and I trust that you'll stay tuned and join with us. We'll also give you some details of our church ministry here, at, and we pray it will be a blessing and a means of grace to each and every heart. Firstly, let's look at Genesis chapter 4, and it is the chapter of Cain and Abel where the first mention of worship by blood is mentioned. And of course, because uh, Abel offered a sacrifice by blood, his worship was accepted. But because Cain's offering was bloodless, he brought the fruit of the ground and his offering was rejected. Cain turned into a rebel, and with a sense of rejection, he defied God. And of course, he killed his brother and slew his blood. Here in the book of Genesis, chapter 4, we have this summary. Life in a fallen world was very different from life during Adam's state of innocence. Worship required blood sacrifices. Enmity arose between true and false worshipers of God, which manifested the depth of sin's corruption within the human heart. Abel's murder and Cain's punishment revealed a world already spiraling downward. Apostasy, departure from God, set in when Cain went out and the presence of the Lord. Two lines of peoples were dwelling on the earth. Cain's descendants lived in rebellion to God, while Seth and his offering turned to the Lord to worship him and live for his glory. Those who worshiped God through blood sacrifices declared they were sinners before a holy God, while those who rejected worship through blood sacrifices presumed that they may become as God's as formerly suggested by Satan. Oh, what a distinct difference. And of course, that's the gospel, isn't it? The gospel leads us to Calvary, 
where the Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood for sinners, and all those who worship God today by the blood, not of animals, but of Christ, they are accepted and have entrance into the presence of God by faith, by blood, by sacrifice. That's the gospel. It is the preaching of the cross. And you cannot worship God without the cross work. You cannot enter into God's presence without the blood of Jesus. And this is a reminder that we are sinners. God is infinitely holy. And when God looks upon us, he is looking for faith in the blood of his Son. And I hope that you have that faith today, that you have that simple trust in the Lord as your Savior, and by faith in him, that you can testify of God's grace at work in your own heart and in your own life. This is Ian Golliher, pastor of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale, and each day we're on the program 5 and 5, Monday to Friday, Sundays 9.30 in the morning. May the Lord in grace work his will in our hearts and lead us to a true but a simple faith in the Lord Jesus. Now here at the Free Presbyterian Church, we are ministering the gospel week by week. Sundays 10.30 is our morning service and 6 p.m. for our evening service. And we want to invite you to exhort you to come and join with us. If you can come in person, you can join us by webcast. Yes, right on your own computer or device. You can tune in online at these times, 10.30 a.m., 6 p.m., and join us for the ministry of the gospel. And our heart's desire is that the Lord will be exalted in your service for him. That's the great need. And I pray that these programs will always be a blessing to you. Righteousness exalts a nation. That is a great theme, and it is a burden of my own heart. And as we see the landslide of evil in this land with the gender-neutral agendas, the SUGI curriculum in schools, we are burdened. This generation needs Christ and needs the light of God's Word. And we need to pray that God will shine that light into hearts. Stay tuned now as we turn to the book of Proverbs. The Chaldeans were conquered by the Persians, and then the Persians were conquered by the Greeks, and the Greeks were conquered by the Romans. And when Christ was born, the people of Israel were under the heel of the Romans. And so Christ becomes the new king. There's never again to be a a literal king to sit on the throne. And you know the history of A.D. 71, when the Titus, who was not yet an emperor, he was a Roman general, but he was commissioned by his father, Vespasian, who went to Judah, and he destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. And historians, even Josephus, tells us that there were something like a million, 1.1 million people slaughtered at that time uh, at the raising and destruction of 
Jerusalem. And the people were taken off into the diaspora, some on ships to, to Egypt, and the people uh, were in great straits. They never had their own sitting king again. And so all Christ-rejecting nations are under God's wrath. We need to learn that lesson from the Bible. The only way to be spared from the wrath of God upon our nations is to have our Savior lifted up. He is our King of righteousness. He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son hath not life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. And that's the gospel that we preach. Now, that becomes now the foundation upon which we answer this question. Why is righteousness demanded? We're told in our text, righteousness exalteth a nation. It's not prosperity, and it's not wealth. It's not oil, and it's not big corporations and all the other things that we might call for uh, national wealth. Now, this question, why is righteousness demanded? The big answer is that God is righteous. God is upright. When we're talking about righteousness here, we're talking about uprightness, to do the right thing. And God cannot promise, cannot tolerate what is contrary to his own holy nature. And when using this term of righteousness, we are talking about that uprightness which God demands. And therefore, we have a moral code. And for us as Christians, it's the Ten Commandments. We don't have any other code of ethics, of morality, of what's right and wrong, apart from what is the summary of God's moral law right there in the Ten Commandments. Now, I want us to do a little Bible search here tonight, and I want us to take two words in our text, the word exalt and the word reproach. And the way of righteousness is the way to be exalted, the way that God lifts you up. Let's turn to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, verse 16. Deuteronomy, chapter 26, and verse 16. Now, Deuteronomy is the book of the second law. It is Moses, uh, God speaking through Moses to his people prior to Moses' death, and prior to leaving the wilderness to enter into the promised land. And the people are being warned that if you're going to prosper, if you're going to have God's blessing in the promised land, you need to follow my law. And here he is speaking, Deuteronomy 26, 16. This day the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments, that thou therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Thou hast avouched the Lord this day to be thy God, and to walk in his ways, and to keep his statute, and his commandments, and his judgments, and to hearken unto his voice. 
and the Lord hath avouched unto thee this day to be his peculiar people, as he hath promised thee, and thou shalt keep all his commandments, and to make thee high above all nations. There's God exalting. There's God's way of lifting up his people, honoring them in this world, which he hath made in praise and in name and in honor, that thou mayest be an holy people unto the Lord thy God, as he hath spoken. And so here is God avouching, promising, that he will be a faithful God to a people who should be peculiar unto him and keep his laws. Then in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 63, we will use the other word reproach. What will happen to that people when they rebel and disobey? Deuteronomy 63, uh, 28, verse 63, right down to the end. And it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and to multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to naught. And ye shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shalt the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart, and failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night and shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were even, and at even thou shalt say, Would God it were morning. For the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see, and the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships. By the way thereof I spake unto thee, thou shalt see it no more again, and there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. And so here is reproach. Here is when people lose God's blessing and come under his judgment. When I think of Canada and I think of the sights that I've described on the streets, I think of the misery that is in homes, the suicidal tendencies, the suicidal rates, the misery that's behind it before people take their lives, the bereavements and the sorrows that bring to families afterwards, what judgment is upon our nation, and how we need to see this reproach lifted from off. We see people changing, choosing lifestyles, that are unnatural. Romans 1 tells us that that is the mark of God giving them up to their own devices. And so, Christ is the one we need. He is king 
of a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness. And in the first century, Christians were led to live new lives of obedience to the king of righteousness. Charles Bridges commenting on this text, Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalted the nation. He said, to Christianize is to regenerate the community, to elevate it to a core dignified position, to exalt the nation. And it is because the people of Canada have departed from God, they have lost their moral compass and their fear of God that they are falling into so many of these miseries. And this is now the challenge to the whole ministry of the church. And my third question is, how can the church function in the midst of an anti-Christian nation? Because that's what we're facing. That's what we're facing locally. When you invite people to hear the gospel, they have no time for Christ. That's what politicians are facing if they want to set up their platform, stand for truth and righteousness, they don't get elected. If they do get into parliament, they don't have support. They are ruled out. You cannot become a leader in this nation if you stand up for purity and for truth. So it comes down to the work of the church. And instead of no role, we have a greater role. We have a greater work to do. And the first thing that we need to do is the church needs purity. Purity. The Lord wrote to the churches in Asia Minor in those seven letters in the book of Revelation, and they were rebuked for their worldliness, their lukewarmness, and for tolerating sin and error. The last thing that the Christian church can afford to do today is to become tolerant of anything less than purity. We are to be lights in this world. Now, we will never change all of society. There will never be a 100% Christian society or nation. But we are to be light and salt right in the midst of this nation. Any group who went off to be a colony because they wanted to be totally Christian, well, everybody that signed up and formed that colony, they may have been Christian, but as soon as the first baby is born, they've got a little sinner on their hands, and sin will come into the camp. And any a society that develops and populates will have sin to deal with one way or another. And the Lord Jesus prayed, I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them in the world, that the world may believe through them. That's John 17. And that's our ministry. God is not calling us out of the world or to form a colony. We're to live every day in the attitude we are to shine the light of the gospel in the midst of this nation. What do we preach to a lost world? The good news of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ.
If righteousness exalts a nation, the more people that enjoy the righteousness of Christ to their own personal account and who walk in the liberty of the gospel, the more blessing there will be within that nation. And the problem with Canada is we don't have enough Christians. We don't see conversions. We don't see communities and a move of God bringing souls out of darkness into light. And we need to see men brought to faith in the Lord Jesus. Bankrupt sinners are told by the worldly ideology to find their utopia right here in this sinful world. You read the glossy magazines, the vacation magazines, uh, the developers, house builders, and they'll present this picture of living the real life. And that's presented to people as the answer to everything. Well, without the Lord Jesus in hearts, sin will abound, misery will abound, and God's wrath will fall upon His people. Sin in the nation is a reproach. And it doesn't matter what home you live in, doesn't matter what money you have in your bank account, to have the Lord to bless you, you need the righteousness which Christ made by His life, His death, and His resurrection. Because all our righteousness are but filthy rags. And that comes to the very heart of the gospel that we preach tonight. We need a Savior. And the hope for Canada is the life, the grace, the mercy of the Lord Jesus. Are you trusting Him? Are you living in daily sweet communion with the Savior, living in the joy of that righteousness which is yours today and will be yours at the judgment day, and praise God for all eternity. Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I want to end with a quote from Charles Bridges. He's a Puritan writer, wrote a commentary on the book of Proverbs, and he says this, Let us take care that our personal and relative profession add to the righteousness, not to the sin of the nation. Let us plead for our country's true prosperity and humiliation, faith, constancy. Let us labor for this nation's exaltation with one entire union of heart. That's our work. That's our ministry. That's the gospel that we preach. And Canada needs the gospel more than ever as we see evil advance all around us. And I close with the big statement, what is morally wrong can never be politically correct. May that be written on all our hearts tonight. Let's close our service with a final hymn, 575, Work for the Night is Coming, 575. Work through the morning hours, work while the dew is sparkling, 
Work mid springing flowers. Work when the day grows brighter. Work in the glowing sun. Work for the night is coming when man's work is done. Yes, opportunity may be diminishing, and we ought to be working while opportunity is ours. 575. We'll stand to sing, please. Father, we praise Thee tonight that Thou hast redeemed us and given us the perfect righteousness of our Lord Jesus. And that's our only argument tonight. That's our only plea at Thy throne in prayer. But we cry out to Thee for this nation. We pray, O Lord, that this week that You'll give good success to those that are standing for the right. We pray that the fear of God will cause men to, to, to decide according to the right and the good and we pray your blessing upon this nation for years to come. We pray, O Lord, that you will multiply the number of Christians. Lord, we need to see many brought into the kingdom. We pray that we may do our part and that you will bless our efforts even today. And now we close this day with thanksgiving and praise for the food and the fellowship that we may enjoy tonight. We give thee thanks. Take each one home in safety this evening. And may thy blessing be upon your people until we meet again. Amen. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. 
located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word. Music